Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Nick Onkin. Nick is a commercial and editorial photographer who has worked with clients such as Nike, Coca-Cola, Condé Nast Traveler, and Adidas, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Nick about some of his early assignments, his approach to marketing, and I also speak to Nick about his own podcast, Nyon Radio, where he has interviewed people such as Usher, Donna Karen, and Jeff Lipsky, to name a few. Nick is a very creative person with a broad range of interests, so I was interested to hear more about his story. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Nick Onkin, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I'm really interested. You're the first uh, other podcaster I've ever interviewed, so this is right. kind of like I gotta step my game up, man. I gotta be fucking. Cr- I gotta crush this one. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, yeah, you got it. You got it. Um, yeah, I guess just to kind of start off, I was talking to I think your studio manager, and she was saying you were just got back from Guatemala, I think. Yeah, made it out by the skin of my teeth. Uh, apparently, there was a volcano that erupted the day after. Oh, damn, that was right there, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a kind of in the area that I was in, but we were working with an organization called Pencils of Promise. Which, okay. Uh, charity that I've been working with for like the last nine years. That's exciting. What are you guys kind of doing down there? Uh, we're building imagery for them. They build schools for kids. Oh. So uh, it's been a, a side project of mine for a good nine years now. And, oh, wow. Uh, just a way to give back. Uh, I think a part of my whole life and business philosophy is is philanthropy and giving back, and mm. I try to do at least a little bit of that every year. That's good, man. Yeah. What kind of stuff are you shooting for them? This kind of this stuff for like their promotion, I guess. Or yeah, it usually goes on their websites and their promotion materials, fundraiser packs, uh, Instagram, especially. You know, I think they've helped. It's helped them build a, a great brand mm. over the last uh, however many years okay. through like creating communication materials. So we shoot the kids in the schools. It sounds a little weird. But uh, yeah, we photograph the kids in the, in the schools and kind of like the learning aspect. We photograph the schools being built. And now it's a lot about teacher training okay. um, and like the, the, the quality of education. So, nice. you know, kind of telling that story yeah. through through imagery is, is, is what we've been doing down there. That's pretty cool. How do you kind of get involved with that initially? Uh, yeah, I, could, I, compl- I met, I was... I was shooting a job out in LA actually like nine years ago and uh, the uh, place that I was where I was like randomly talking to this guy and I was like you know I'm looking for a developing world charity to get involved with Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like oh you have to meet my friend Adam he's building schools for kids in Laos I was like (laughs) okay sounds great (laughs) so he connected me with Adam the Adam Brown the founder okay Adam and I had a uh, had a beer and and connected and I was like I knew that this guy he's like he was working for Bain Consulting at the time and I could just see like I knew he was going to build something big yeah. and he just like has a bleeding heart for the cause and a brain to build the business around it yeah. and he really values photography and communications and brand so I saw that I could I recognized that in him and so I was like okay he's like I'm going to Laos in December can't pay you can't pay for you but if you want to come you're welcome to come i was like hell yeah i'll do this so i bought a ticket and we flew out there and traveled for about six days through the through the jungles of laos and it was an exciting time and we built a relationship from there that's cool man you guys have kind of kind of gone all, all over the last nine years or so uh yeah yeah i mean they're in they're in laos guatemala and ghana okay. and i've been to each country at least twice and you know guatemala and ghana probably five or six times each mm. how was that kind of first trip i would imagine going to a country like that it must be kind of like a, a shock i guess like because coming from like america where it's like a little nicer i guess i don't know how to say yeah it, yeah yeah no i mean i you know and I, I got started in photography like years ago by go i went after i went to africa for the first time okay uh, for another nonprofit organization and that was like my first eye-opening trip life-changing trip in multiple ways it was like in in two ways there was it opened my eyes up to the developing world yeah. and, and and experiencing a world that is completely different than the world that we live in here in the U.S. Yeah, and especially New York and the bigger cities and um, it just like it opened my eyes and like helped me see the world in a different way, gave me a different perspective. Uh, but it also opened my eyes to the world of photography because I was the first I managed to convince this nonprofit mm. design client of mine to split the expenses on a trip to Africa and build a photo library. And I had no clue what I was doing. I literally just 
you know, my friend had <laughs> built an IT network for some organization and, uh, I was like, I want to do, I want to donate my time and have somebody pay me, pay to fly me across yeah. the world. And so I did that with photography and I just kind of like jumped out and tried it and figured it out along the way. And, uh, you know, came out to be successful, uh, a successful trip. I mean, I look back at those images now and I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's why it was happy. <laughs> I think that's like every, uh, talking to so many photographers, like the last seven months, everyone's like, even like the photos you took six months ago, you're like damn, I could have done that better or something. It's just like a continual kind of keep building on it. You feel like that? Yeah, it's definitely an ongoing process. <laughs> definitely always trying to get better. I think that's kind of the name of the creative game, right? Is to, mm. to constantly keep creating new and better work. Yeah, definitely. And I guess just to kind of go back a little bit, um, like where did you grow up and how did you kind of get into photography initially? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Seattle, which, uh, in the rainy city of Seattle, which, and I love shooting outdoors, so it doesn't really yeah. work too well <laughs> in that respect, but I was a graphic designer, went to school for graphic design, and that Africa trip that I just was telling you about was like the first, that was my first induction into photography. At the time, I had gotten, uh, I bought a digital camera, because digital technology was just getting good enough yep. to actually use digitally in design work and things like that. So yeah. I bought a you know glorified point and shoot Sony F707 for those gearheads okay. out there. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's a, that was like a good 15 years ago. Damn, man. Yeah, yeah, that was the technology. I think it was like a 7 megapixel. Yeah. You know, had like a, a little bit of a zoom on it. Screen was, was like probably a, like, like half a, an inch. Well, it was crazy. It had a barrel lens on it. So it was literally like a okay. camera with like a barrel lens on yeah. it. It had a Carl's Ice lens. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was good good for the time, you know. That's cool. And that, that's interesting to hear you're going to school for graphic design. Um, what kind of prompted you to kind of go to school for that? And like, uh, so you're kind of doing photography while you're in graphic? Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't even end up, I, photography, I never thought I would ever be a photographer. Oh. You know, I took, I took AP art in high school, which just, they make you do a portfolio of all these different disciplines from yeah. like sculpture to drawing to painting to photography. So I took an intro to photography class in the dark room and stuff like that in high school, but it was just part of that program. Mm. But I love technology. I love, um, you know, I love the integration of technology and art. And right at that time was when desktop publishing really started. Desktop publishing, which is now graphic design. Okay. But back then <laughs> was the, that was desktop publishing was like graphic design meeting technology. And they're trying to figure out how to, you know, that was like that, the mm. evolution of that. So I was really interested in that. That's the direction that I took and went to uh, college for and, and uh, developed that. Then I did, I was working for a book publishing company okay. for about a year. Um, designing book covers and then jumped off and did freelance after that. Mm. And then that's when I, you know, a couple of years later, grabbed the digital camera and started shooting for my design work. And then that Africa trip happened. That's cool. I would imagine like, uh, even like you think it's like been valuable to have that like graphic design, um, uh, expertise, like even dealing with all your photography now, like you can kind of relate to like art directors and things like that and like kind of what they need. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a huge piece of a visually being able to see kind of visualize how an image would work in a spread yep. and seeing negative space and seeing composition and like that helped accelerate just taking photos in general but it also from a brand experience and a brand perspective creating my own brand you know and it saved me a lot of money yeah and having to hire a graphic designer i could just do it all myself and i had that background i had that kind of eye for that already so it, it it was definitely useful in the process. That's cool. Yeah, I think uh, being a photographer, definitely starting out, the 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 most you can do yourself, it definitely helps because like you're saving money, like because it can get expensive, like just doing all your graphic design, then you're doing your website. So the more you can learn about everything, I think it definitely kind of helps and just having more knowledge about that stuff, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I guess when you're picking up that camera, what kind of stuff were you shooting um, when you first started out? Was it always people for you, or were you kind of yeah, you know, I think I started shooting like objects, like objects on a table or you yeah. know, whatever, just like playing around with depth of field and exposure and things like that. And then I started to get like get more interested in photographing people. Um, and I still that's still my favorite thing, you know, mm. to photograph, especially these days. And it started out and like it evolved into shooting like people and then models, and then it turned into more of a lifestyle. Uh, type of vision and style mm -hmm. and then um, you know now I'm you know years later I'm kind of morphing into like a more portraiture type of work okay 
Yeah, and that's that's cool. Were there like any photographers starting out whose work you kind of look like admired or anything? Uh, yeah, I mean the greats. There was you know obviously Mario Testino and Peggy. Like I love Peggy Sirota. I love oh, the yeah. energy and the elevation of her work. Yeah. Um, I love, um, you know, Jeff Lipsky, Art Striper, those guys, uh, mm-hmm. Stephanie Rouser, I also really loved, uh, still love, but yeah. I mean, she, in the beginning, like she was one of my, um, the photographers I, I was looking up to in the lifestyle category. That's really cool. I could see like similarities in their work to yours, like na- a lot of natural light and things like that. Have you always been kind of drawn to the natural light? Yeah. I love natural light the most. It's my favorite, you know, at, at times we'll shoot, you know, I still shoot studio. We'll, we'll, we'll do what it takes to get the job yeah. done. Yeah and uh but most of my stuff is natural light okay no it's you can't go wrong with it man yeah i mean we built a little studio here uh oh really that's like we'll do lit stuff in here but okay still i just i love natural light for some reason to me just it's like juicy I love yeah it's it. a simple classic like you look at all the old like my favorite stuff is like avidon in the american west it's just like this natural light a little fill and that's all you need man it doesn't have to get fancy all the time i think yeah so much of photography like especially the greats it's like it's more about what you're putting in front of the camera mm-hmm. than it really is you know the lighting you know obviously you have to have like decent good lighting but yeah, yeah like it doesn't really matter what lighting it is it just has to be good lighting content it's more about what you're putting in the in yeah, frame yeah definitely i agree and i guess like was there a point when you kind of started to take your photography more seriously and like started to think this was going to be a career for you and like how how are you kind of starting to get your work out there yeah, you know, I think after I got back from Africa, there was a uh, a space that I was like, I had to let go of being a designer as mm. a career. And I still kind of, that was like, because that's what I thought I was going to be. Yeah. So when you let go of another, of a career and like move into another one, there's a whole, like, I guess there's a whole separation process that happens. But, you know, a good thing is I still have been able to use my skills and mm-hmm. I ended up working with another photographer in Seattle. Um, I was doing like assisting and stuff? Yeah, kind of assisting here and there. His name's Jim Garner. He was, you know, he shot some weddings and some Seattle commercial stuff. And so he, he invited me to come along and, and uh, experience what, it, you know, what it was like being on set and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, so that's what kind of opened my eyes to it. And then as I started doing that and I started shooting more from my friends and and more people and really i just fell in love with it yeah and and that was when it was like i knew that this was what i was going to do and so i did all everything that it would take to get there built a portfolio (laughs) and kept revising the portfolio websites all that stuff doing meetings and it never ends never (laughs) never ends my friend never ends Uh, and that's interesting how you kind of realized you needed to just kind of break away break away from the design stuff because i think a lot of people can struggle with making that career transition was it kind of a scary thing for you or were you just kind of excited or do you kind of remember what you're kind of feeling back then uh it was it was actually more exciting and what was great is design was the tool that i needed to pay my bills and have the flexible schedule to be able to put the time that i needed into uh, developing my portfolio and Mm -hmm. because that takes time you know i mean people aren't going to hire you right away like you have to yeah you have to work at it you have to build a portfolio and that takes years you know to get your work to a commercially viable space where people want to pay for you and want to pay you to do things for them yeah uh, it takes a while, so you have to have something to supplement the income. Oh yeah, definitely, man. It's and that's another thing that uh, from talking to so many people uh, over the last seven months is like, yeah, you always uh, photography. How you know uh, you don't know what's coming in from month to month, and, w- and when you first start out, you don't have like this huge catalog of clients you're working with or anything. So yeah, you do have to have that supplemental income. I know I, for years I was. I was working nights. I would work at Lowe's and unload trucks. And then during the day, I would do my photo stuff. And it's just like, but nice. then over time, you just kind of build on it. And before you know it, you got some clients, you know? Yeah. Um, keep Got to keep going. Yeah, definitely. And what were kind of some of the first photo gigs you were shooting? Do you kind of remember some of those early things you were doing? I mean, the first few things, I was like doing model tests. Okay. And like, uh, you know, I shot some weddings here and there. I probably did like good 20 weddings the first couple of years okay. I started. and. I mean, I think it's an easy place to start because, you know, it's the level of entry is not that high. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, there's this balance and it kind of, you know, what's great about weddings is it teaches you how to use natural light Yep. on the fly. I mean, you have to keep moving and keep shooting it really fast yep. because the moments are happening. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I talked to Art Schreiber about that when I interviewed him and he, he, he said like, yeah, weddings are a good place to start because you can shoot, uh, you're doing like documentary, you're shooting portraits, you're doing group shots and it's yeah. like, and it all is like, 
it's moving like a million miles an hour. You got crazy families. So like, uh, do you feel like kind of shooting weddings was, you kind of learned a lot from that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it really is that it's, it's the, uh, the portraits the the on the fly documentary and natural light, and, yeah. you know, you can bring in studio lighting if you want, but you know, but also you have to figure out how to light different yep. rooms yeah, and definitely. make it look good. And, yeah. and so it's a good learning space. And it's like managing all these people because like you're in a sense, like it's almost like a set because you're managing like all these two different families where you're trying to get all these people organized. And the same thing with like advertising. Um, I spent years like assisting and stuff on different advertising shoots and it's almost the same thing because you're trying to wrangle all these people and kind of make it smooth as you can. Uh, you feel like there's kind of some similarities once you kind of cross over into the commercial world. World. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely the corralling of people <laughs> is huge. Granted, in the commercial world, you're only really corralling your talent, True. which is nice. You st- and then you just like have to dance with the art director or the and, photo editor yeah. or whoever is like. And if you have a good producer, they, that's their job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty. You can let the producer like handle everything. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but I guess like, did you kind of have a goal in mind for the type of photography you wanted to be early on? Like, because looking at your website now, like you mentioned, like portraits, portraits is kind of what is your passion, and you do all the lifestyle stuff, and then the travel and was that always kind of your goal or how did that kind of evolve over time you think yeah i mean you know i guess the one thing is consistent is people uh but i I definitely think i've lifestyled a lot (laughs) over the last years so i think you know especially now with starting the podcast Mm. um i've really had a more of a fascination with uh, photographing people and their and the depth of the story and the depth of who they are so the the podcast has become like you know i I do everyone in person so i can photograph and create a portrait of them yeah even if it's a quick on the fly portrait you know i started that as a personal project because we get to interview and then we get to do a couple photos and so that's what's been really great about that and that's also kind of catalyzed like my interest in portraiture Mm, no that's interesting um do you kind of have an approach to when you're like photographing people like how how you kind of do you shoot a lot or how do you do you kind of have like a plan set out when you kind of have each shoot or you Uh, kind of just let it kind of free i'm trying i'm trying to plan it out a little bit more and elevate uh and there's always a, a, a sense of um that needs to be planned if you want to bring the right elements into it, like the styling, the the right talent, and different things like that. Yeah. Uh, that said, I still my approach is still very kind of off off the cuff and on the fly. Sometimes it's moving around. Sometimes it's in the studio, and it's just like, oh, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. Yeah. So a lot of times I don't have like a specific image that I'm going for going yep. into it, but also create. Sometimes I'll create mood boards for shoots and have you know, ideas and directions that I want to go in for the shoot. That's interesting. And I'm sure like each person you shoot, you never know what they're going to be like that day. So they could kind of bring their own idea or their mood or however it is that day. So you kind of, kind of got to work on the fly. Sometimes you think it's kind of, yeah, you definitely have to work on the fly, especially if you're working with personalities, those Mm -hmm. guys, they, you know, you have to, there's a, there's a rapport and a balance that you got to bring with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also fun to play off of them too. I think, you know, a lot of times people do things that are like natural to their personality, which is kind of what I love capturing. Mm. Uh, so there is like that element to it. Yeah. It's exciting, man. And, uh, I guess like, uh, who are some kind of the first like commercial clients you're working with once you kind of started breaking into like, I guess more like the advertising or even like editorial stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, my first big client was Nike. Okay. Yeah. They, and this was like kind of earlier in the, earlier in the game, uh, like 2005. And they, uh, they just called him like a friend of mine who's an art director who was uh, ended up out here in New York as I was in Seattle at the time. He was working for an agency ad agency out here and they needed somebody in a pinch. Okay. And he threw my name in the ring and they called me and, you know, four days later we finally agreed on a on a on a deal. <laughs> and the job was like in San Diego. Like then this was like it ended on it was like negotiate finished negotiating on a Thursday. Christmas was on Saturday. Yeah. And the job was started Monday in San Diego. Damn. And I had to figure out how to get equipment. I had to figure out everything. It was just like this whole, yeah. you know, almost like the amazing race of like trying to figure out what I was doing. Yeah. Scrambling. <laughs> I found an assistant who ended up bringing the equipment. Yeah. And it was, you know, it all worked out. That's wild. So was it basically like uh, you guys were shooting like lifestyle stuff? Or what was kind of... St- it's actually like studio, like kind of, I guess, studio portraits okay. of like these athletes. 
in these crazy masks because that was like the campaign there we it was a tag along with the uh the mm. broadcast okay uh, the commercial that's interesting and, and at that point were you kind of did you have like a rep or anything or were you kind of handling all your own like estimating and everything uh uh yeah i did it all myself i okay. had a rep for a good four or five years after that yeah because that's like a hard thing like when you're first starting out like how do you even know like what to charge for a big client like that was that kind of take you a while to kind of get used uh, to dealing with those your resources you ask you find other photographers you ask them what you should charge because the the trick is is like you don't want to undercharge because you're definitely hurting the industry in that sense so i want to make sure that i was you know charging a fair price and you know making yeah making a good um you know, helping the industry as well as myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta eat, man. Nick's gotta eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's a tough thing, man. I still struggle to be, been in this, doing this like over 10 years now. I'm still like, every time I'm like, how much should I be charging? <laughs> like, it's, it's like a tough thing. It is, and it's like, everything's different, even the landscape. Is, yeah, it's always changing. shifting now, so yeah. even that's different. It's, mm. you know, you gotta navigate that. And Yeah, that's the, funny that's, territory. that's when the business stuff, uh, it gets tricky. Um, but I guess, when did you kind of move to New York City? Because you were in Seattle. Like, did you feel like it was important for you to move out here to kind of grow your photography? Or when did that kind of... Yeah, you know, I actually... I mean, I, I think that's a huge thing is, is photographer. Seattle's such a small, like, city for photography. And um, I wanted... A, first, I wanted to live in, a, uh, in another country. Okay. Which, so after I did that Nike job, I took that money and moved to Paris. And lived there for like six months, you know, it was not one, you know, A, I wanted to live in another country and just yeah. experience that for yeah. you know, however long. And then B, it was like kind of a testing ground to see, it was like, oh, could I keep living here and build a career? Turns out, no. <laughs> um, too much, I mean, French is a bitch anyways, <laughs> uh, to learn. And like, they're very insular and very, yeah. you know, so it would take years and years and years to really do something that's like super high fashion beauty stuff, which isn't really yeah what I gravitate towards. So mm. I did that. And then, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna move back to Seattle for a couple months, and I was like, I feel like I need to live in LA or New York because that's where the industry is. Yep. Um, I have more friends in LA, uh, so I was like, oh, I'll just move down there for you know instead. So I moved down to LA and ended up there for three years. Okay. And start had to kind of rebuild my career from there essentially. Okay, it's kind of like building a new portfolio. Yeah, at that point. And, and you know, I mean, I wasn't. I guess, you know, I thought because I had done a Nike job, I didn't see another one of those for another three Phone's years. Phone's going to so. keep ringing. You got that way? <laughs> yeah, but no, that's not the case. <laughs> no, and no. So I had to keep, you know, it's and, and that's the case your whole career. You always got to keep developing and building, yeah. put, you know, new work until it's like attracts the right people. So, you know, from there I ended up, you know, moving to LA, was there for three years. And at the end of that th three years, I started to get a few projects here in New York, like for Cosmo magazine and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, why don't I just move to New York? I don't like LA. Yeah. Uh, I don't like living in LA. I mean, I enjoy LA. Too much um, driving. Too much driving. <laughs> it's like exhausting. I was like, decision fatigue gets worn out in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I moved, yeah, I moved to New York about nine years ago. Uh, that's interesting, man. You feel kind of help, because uh, within New York, I, I've never lived here, but I come down here, but I would imagine you kind of, you just meet so many different people in the industry and it kind of this opens the door t to you, this kind of meeting so many different people. Yeah, I mean, New York is like one of those cities where you just like rub elbows with everyone. Like there's events all the time, there's certain things and like industry events will happen and then you just go and you meet people. And yeah. I never really found that in, in LA. Like it's, I mean, going to any event is like, a chore it yeah like you gotta to drive go an hour town <laughs> and you're like yeah and then most and then you end up just bailing because you're like i don't want to sit in traffic for an hour and a half yeah um, and it's and it's kind of interesting just to hear how you're talking earlier like with the pencils of promise thing how it, it wasn't like uh these opportunities kind of come like in the strangest ways like sometimes like even myself like you could market yourself to one client for like years and get nothing but then like out of the left field you'll just get a call from someone so it's all it's it's just so random how jobs kind of come in the door you feel like that. Yeah, you just never know. I mean, a lot of times it's I know somebody who knows somebody, and you just got to build your network. Yeah, definitely. And how you're saying, like, you got that one Nike job, and uh, you didn't get another big like, ad job for three years. What kind of kept kept you going in that time space? Because like, um, like I was talking to another photographer, and he's like, yeah, it's easy to get that one job, but the hard thing is to get a client that keeps hiring you over and over again. You know? 
Yeah, that's that's really hard to find unless you're in like an apparel. Yeah, you know, finding apparel clients. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was that you know, in between that time, it was like shooting weddings and doing model tests yep. and. You know, and then kind of doing a few little corporate things here and there and, you know, just kind of whatever, whatever it took to kind of bring it in the door. And then I got an agent uh, out here. Mm -hmm. I got an agent in L.A. and that was like lasted about eight months. And I was like, this isn't working. (laughs) And then I found an agent out here. um, And that's kind of what really they had a big reputation. They're like the ones that really kind of got my career off the ground because they gave me that credibility Mm. when I was first starting. Uh, and then got my first campaigns, actual real ad campaigns through an ad agency was uh, Secret Deodorant. Okay. Uh, which was fun. And, you know, we shot down in Miami and it was full production and it was, you know, full production. It's great. It's like a fun, yeah. fun experience. Did it take you a while to kind of get used to like managing those big productions? Because it is like a big thing, like shooting editorial is one thing. But then when you're working on these big campaigns where they're spending tens and thousands of dollars, a hundred thousand dollars or more, um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of get used to managing that? Or did you kind of already feel comfortable being that you kind of assist, assisted a little bit and things like that? Um, you know, I mean, I haven't, uh, I, I've assisted a little bit, yep. um, but I never really assist like anything on any on that big level. set, maybe one or two like bigger, bigger campaigns I assisted on. So I didn't really have that much assisting experience. Okay. Um, you know, the stuff in Seattle is more just me and the photographer yep. versus like a full production crew. So a lot of it is just kind of learned on the fly and, and you know fake it till you make it right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah definitely like, yeah, i can do you, this. you understand how it works you hire assistants that that know more lighting than you do mm. or more technical stuff so that you can give them a visual direction and then they can create that for you yeah definitely you, so you think it's like when you're working on those big productions it's it's really important for you to have like a good crew of like assistants that you know you can trust and kind of have like oh absolutely i mean you have to have like good good assistants that are on top of it thinking ten steps ahead of you and thinking of things is you're like your relationship was with the art director yeah so you have to be focused on that and the creative and yep. like you know you have to have, so that means you have to have assistants that are like oh you know take the camera from your hand like things like that bringing a little bringing a reflector in with you ha- not even having to ask and yeah. then so it becomes you know assistants you just have to be forward thinking and yeah. and, and streamlines things yeah streamlines things because there's a lot i mean it is a lot to manage a full set mm-hmm. and manage an art director like the weight of everything of thousands of dollars of production is on your hands so you have to find a great team you know i like to find people that are like have a great personality and and are know their job and can execute it accordingly yeah definitely and uh one thing i was going to ask you i kind of ask everybody it's like, did it kind of take you a while to kind of create your like visual style or aesthetic, the way you shoot? Because um, like looking at your work, how we mentioned before, sorry, <coughs> you shoot a lot of natural light. Have you always kind of shot that way? And do you think it's like pretty important to kind of have like a distinct look to kind of a cohesive uh, body of work, you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's the way uh, you, you have to hone it in and really be known for something. And for me, it took just like a lot of shooting, experimenting and figuring out what I gravitate towards. And like you, you see, once you shoot enough, you start to see a, a, a common thread line there. And so you can really build that into your style. You know, that's where you see is you, you take a look at your work as a whole. And, and even the, in the edit, there is a whole thing that comes through in that. And you can create two different photographers from the same pool of work. Yeah. Through the edit. Um, and create two different styles out of that. Mm. And so, you know, with my stuff, I've always kind of had a very, like I gravitate towards a, like a certain type of style that I've, you know, and that just consists of created the style. Yeah. So it's more important to create a visual style and signature than it is to be a jack of all trades. Definitely. Um, yeah, it kind of took me a while to kind of figure that out. It's a tough thing. And, but like once you kind of like you kind of built your name at this point and you're shooting for big clients like Nike and all the stuff you do um do you feel like you you can't really jump out of the box and try new things like if you wanted to like start shooting like all black and white four by five or something or do you feel like because it is a weird thing where it's like art and commerce you're trying to make money 
and you want to have your distinct look, but at the same time, as like an artist, do you feel like you still have that like flexibility to try new things? Yeah, I think you could still try new things. Just put a new section on your <laughs> website. You know, I think if you're trying to be a fine art photographer, it's yeah, yeah. a whole different business model, and Definitely. you know, it's a model that you wouldn't want to put any sort of commercial work on there. But you know, I think if you're in the commercial editorial world, you know, and I'm still trying to play around with this, and the world's ever changing, but I think. Um, you know, you can say, oh, I'm, you know, here's my commercial work and then uh, here's my, uh, here's just like my personal stuff. Yeah. And it could be whatever the hell you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that on your website. You have a whole personal section. It looks like a lot of co- cool, like travel photos and stuff you have mm-hmm. on there. Um, is that kind of like important for you to like take time to shoot photos for yourself aside from all the commercial stuff you do? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I think your personal work is where you're, where you really like when you get to do whatever you want to do. Yeah that's where it really shines through. So, and I think a lot of clients actually look at your personal work because yeah. they actually see who you are versus like, you know, when you're shooting for another client, you're getting your brand plus their brand equals something else. And it's not yeah. your vision necessarily. Yep. They want to see both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. And, uh, I guess one thing I was just kind of curious about with like marketing and stuff um, how has that kind of changed over time? Is it like something you still spend a lot of time thinking about and like, what's your approach now? And like, has it changed a lot since you started? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I it, the digital world has definitely shifted everything and I'm actually in the middle of trying to figure that out now. And, you know, we're kind of still doing the traditional stuff, emails and direct mail pieces and things like that. But, you know, like web and, and Instagram and all that stuff has also changed the game. So, yeah. You know, I think if, from what it sounds like, a lot of art directors are finding people on Instagram. So I think it's also an ex- extension of your portfolio and your brand. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to maintain a good visual uh, curation on your Instagram. Yeah. You still got days. you still have a printed portfolio or no? I do. I do. Yeah. Sitting right over there. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever like go show it in person? Yeah. Anymore? I mean, that's definitely huge. You know, I mean, you have to have a printed portfolio for meetings and things like that because like, you know, face to face meetings are still a huge thing. Like if you go and you meet with our, our producers and mm. things like that, you, they're like, if you don't have a printed portfolio, you're kind of like, yeah, people want, you know, if you're in a meeting, people want to see it in a tactile form. It's like, people don't want to see it on a digital screen. Yeah, yeah I mean, on an iPad. Yeah, bring an iPad in for like supplemental yeah, supple- material. Yeah. But there's still just like a feeling that you get when you're like, you know, looking through a printed book. It's, it's, it changes the It's dynamic. legit. It's legit. I mean, it shows like you took a lot of effort into like what you're doing. And and it's just, yeah, like you say, it's like you can hold it and touch it. And yeah, the, the iPad's just a little bit yeah. different. I, I mean, when we first started, I, with my first rep, I had like 10 books because that's how you did it. There was no, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. nobody was relying on websites or digital because it wasn't, the technology wasn't there yet. And mm-hmm. they would, you know, a client would be like interested in your work and you'd be, have to FedEx overnight them up 50 pounds, you know, whatever, <laughs> like a 20 pound book. Yeah. And then oh, across the country and then they look at your portfolio and put that up against everyone else's. Now it's like, yeah, one portfolio for meetings and that's it. Yeah, definitely. And with like the social media stuff, because looking at your Instagram, you're pretty active on there. I think you have two accounts. You have like one, it's like your travel Instagram account I saw, and then it's like, then you're like personal, it looked like. Yeah, I have a couple different ones. And I just started like, so I have my personal one, which is just, it's like a little bit more like the behind the scenes of my life. And that's mm-hmm. my main at Nick Onkin account. Mm-hmm. And then I also just started uh, photographs by Nick Onkin, so I can kind of put that more as just like straight up, almost like a portfolio. Yeah. Towards no pictures of me. It's just like pictures that I've taken. Okay. Um, and it's like an extension of my portfolio. Yeah. I saw that. Like one thing I was going to ask looking at your Instagram. Yeah. You do post like a lot of photos of yourself is like the Instagram. Like, do you kind of like spend a lot of time thinking about how you're going to approach it and like what you're going to post on there? Is it like a strategy to it or are you kind of this kind of on the fly or, uh, you know, my, it's a little bit more on the fly. The photographs one I plan out a little bit more and, and just kind of have it more auto posted. Um, but like the, the Nick Onkin one is just more kind of like every day, you know, especially if I'm doing something fun or, mm-hmm. you know, like today we released a podcast with this podcast guest. Um, so I posted a photo of him and I that okay. we took back when we did the podcast, but you know, to, you know, to be able to like do, you know, announce the podcast episode and, and all that. So, you know, sometimes it's like I'm out traveling and we'll post like last week I was posting live from the, you know, just posting in the field Guatemala, yeah. uh, in Guatemala. Um, while I was there. Yeah. And so it was like in the moment, I try to keep it as in the moment as possible, but sometimes I'll do like just 
other photos or travel or portraits or something like that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Like I, I've talked to a couple of people about it, and it's like Instagram's almost in a sense like your new website because, like you said, like so many art directors and art producers, that's what that's what they look at because people that's how they they're connected to their phone all the time. So it's like you almost have to put like a lot of thought into it. I think nowadays, like at least a little, yeah. not just like photographing like food you're eating or something you know what I mean? right you yeah can, you can do that but it's just interesting put that on stories <laughs> yeah put that on a story <laughs> uh that's interesting and uh i guess uh one thing i was gonna ask you about is uh you have a podcast too called neon radio correct yeah and yeah. I, I listen to a bunch a lot of interesting guests on there uh, not just photographers you have all different types of creative people and all types yeah. of things um yeah. how did that kind of come about and what kind of made you want to get into podcasting yeah, you know, so good. A good, uh, a good buddy of mine, Lewis Howes, interviewed me on his podcast called "The School of Greatness." Yep. And this is the time when I was going through, like, I had kind of, you know, I was I was going through this emotional intelligence and leadership training uh, course that he actually got me into out in LA, and just opened my mind to a whole different space of life and 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 mental space. And uh, so, I, I wanted to figure out how to bring that into the creative world. So it was like a seminar. It was like uh, a, it's like a workshop type of thing. What kind of stuff were they teaching? Like, um, it's like emotional intelligence stuff. So just in terms of like how you're, um, you know, we have a hundred thousand thoughts a day and, you know, 80% of those thoughts are typically negative. And so if you're, you're at your actions, you come from your thoughts and your actions create the results in your life. So yeah, definitely. that's kind of the premise of it. So it's learning how to think out of, um, possibility okay in the world mm -hmm. and versus like creating your own limiting beliefs and your own limited ex you know expectations of yourself yeah uh and so that was just like that opened my mind up a lot and so i kind of wanted to bring that into uh, and when he interviewed interviewed me i was like oh this is a lot of fun yeah it's like i would love to do one of these i have a great network <laughs> of people that i can already start interviewing and so uh, one of my first ones was scooter braun which was a lot of fun and you know both them and i were like I you know, figuring out how to do it. He didn't even know what a podcast was at the, at the time, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then we started recording. And I, you know, he had to like take a call, and I stopped it, and then I started again. I thought I started again. Ended up like talking for ten minutes. Realized that I wasn't even recording. Oh, <laughs> you know, one of those. You, but I'm, you re I'm recording right now. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you're recording. Make sure you're recording here. But you know, you live and learn. The red and dots on. <laughs> So it's been a fun project, you know, I like, I try to, I want to interview everyone in person because it's just like, you know, I get to spend time with them and take photos, you know, continue that portrait project that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And it's been amazing, you know, so I've kind of built this whole brand, neon life brand around living a vibrant creative life. So that's the idea is like, what does it take to live a creative lifestyle? Okay. You know, create, yeah, we have six, six different pillars. If I can remember them all off the top of my head, there's creativity is the driving force. Yep. You have health and health and uh, fitness and mm -hmm. wellness. You have uh, relationships and network. You have money and business. And what is the sixth one? <laughs> I'm gonna have to look it up and look it up. That's okay, we got yeah. the five. It's mindset. Maybe it's mindset. Tune in tune into Nyan Radio and get the sixth one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, one of the biggest themes that I've realized from interviewing people like Usher and Donna Karen and Daniel Arsham and Art Striber and, and Scooter and all these guys is that mindset is the biggest key to success. And if you can overcome your fears and you know obviously like this business is up and down and left and right and if you can learn how to manage the uncertainty in your mind you can create long long lasting success yeah definitely um yeah, talking to even myself, this interviewing people, I've learned a lot. In I, I interviewed Art Schreiber, who you had interviewed too, and yeah, I learned a lot from him because you can kind of like when you're starting out in photography, you can look up to these like big photographers who are like you put them on like a pedestal and they're crushing it, and uh, you don't realize that those guys are still even at that level they're still like going through a lot of the same things they're they're losing out on jobs all the time yeah obviously it's on a bigger scale but it, it never really changes so it's like yeah. it's just kind of like getting used to kind of get like losing out on jobs because you're not going to get every job that you bid on and things no. like that <laughs> it, it kind of take you a while to kind of get used to that because like i know for me when i started out i'll get kind of bummed out but now i'm like if i don't get a job i'm like eh, on to the next one see what's gonna happen tomorrow <laughs> like, <laughs> on to the next one yeah kind of got to move that way yeah yeah it was funny because he was like oh yeah I was like, yeah, if I don't work for a, a week, you know, then I like, you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm like, 
trying to work for a week. Like, what if you don't get a job for a month? Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, try that one on for size. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess when you started the Nyon Radio, I know it was called Shop Talk Radio when you started it. Um, yeah. Why do you switch the name? Well, Shop, that was just an extra brand. And okay. I kind of had this idea of starting this, this brand called Neon Life. Mm-hmm. And really about living life in color, living, you know, with a creative drive. Mm-hmm. And so the, I just wanted to pull, pull the podcast into that brand. And, yep. and really, you know, because since I was interviewing, I've been interviewing all these creative people and personal development people and different, you know, how, what does it take to build a creative lifestyle? And it takes all, you know, it takes business. It takes yeah. uh, networking relationships. And how do you do that? You know, like I've interviewed like, you know, people like Jordan Harbinger and Vanessa Van Inwards about yeah. like, how do you be social? How do you be a social creature as an artist? Yeah. Things like that. And, you know, like create a process from like Usher and mm. Art Stryber and yeah. Daniel Arsham and like, how, what you know, distilling those, okay. those values. And then like, you know, Lewis Howes, he's a business entrepreneur. So like, how do you bring, how do you be creative in business and bring that into your stable, into your business, into your own business? So okay. the whole idea is to like kind of interview all these like experts and help people who are listening mm. in their business and their life and create the life that they want. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel like you're kind of managing two businesses at that point? Cause you have your photography business and then you have the neon, the podcast, um, is it hard to balance? Like, cause even me just starting this, I have to be like real smart about like, cause at the end of the day, I'm a photographer. I do the podcast like a side thing, but it can be easy to like have it over consume you. Do you ever like feel like that? Like it, it, you can, or is, oh, it, yeah. or is it like two different things? Like, I mean, it is two different things, which is also kind of the reason that I wanted to keep the photography element in the podcast and, and photograph everyone. So it kind of ties, you know, that's the, that's the thing that ties both of them together, but yes, it is two different things and you have to maintain because there's all the promotion side of the podcast, a lot of stuff that you have to maintain, Yeah, you know, and then like how much of it can get delegated, you know, at a certain point. So I have like a production team that produces the podcast and then, um, these guys help, you know, do the social stuff and, and, uh, and then all I really have to do is record it and, yeah. uh, drop it in a Dropbox. That's smart because like, cause at the end of the day, like photography is still like your main thing. Like it's not the podcast. Cause that's like one thing I was worried about. I'm like, I'm a photographer. I don't want to be, I mean, I like doing podcasts, but I want to be viewed as like a podcast. Like I want to shoot photos. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like this weird balance. Cause you don't want it to like overtake your photos, I guess. Yeah, it's true. But I also think it's like two different demographics. It's two that's different true. markets to be honest. Yeah, and, you're right. You know, the market that I'm marketing to in, in photography is more of a commercial. Yeah you know, market. I have like, I work with entrepreneurs as well. So I'll do some personal branding for them. And that is a little bit of crossover into the podcast, but still different. Mm. There's still different demographics. Yeah, you're right. There's just so many people out there. Um, and I guess like when you kind of first started doing it, interviewing people, did it kind of take you a while to get comfortable doing that? And has there, has there been any, like any challenging interviews for you? I mean, definitely was, you know, and that was also another reason I started it was to get out of my comfort zone and like speak behind a microphone. So I think there was definitely a learning curve (laughs) and, you know, I was, you know, when I first started, I was writing down questions and like, I kind of had a set of questions that I would go off of. And then it kind of just morphed into, I know the arc of the show and I just like love, I love to dive in and unpack what people talk about and like really kind of get get in there and, and get to the deep stuff. So, That's cool, you know, man. I've definitely learned a lot. I've definitely grown a lot, you know, since I, since I started it for sure. But there was definitely some flailing in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Like it, forgetting to push record. <laughs> That's interesting. And, and do you have kind of like any goals for the podcast? Anything you're kind of hoping to do with it? Uh, you know, I mean, I would love to turn it into something bigger if it, if it allows doing live, live, interviews with an audience Mm. um perhaps you know we're starting to do a little bit of video here and there Mm. uh so we'll probably get that going i mean i love what sam jones is doing with his off-camera stuff oh it's on netflix now i saw is it really yeah it's i I noticed it a couple weeks ago yeah it's pretty crazy yeah it is pretty i was like because i saw it years ago he's been doing it for a while now and i was like oh shit that's on that's on netflix now i was like it's crazy um that's the live audience thing do you feel like it would change the dynamic because I think the interesting thing about some podcasts, like listen to yours, and yeah, even like mine, like I've done some over the phone, and even over the phone changes the dynamic. Because uh, once you get an audience, you, you think you, I feel like it almost changed because people they interact different when they know people are watching them. Whereas over here, it's more intimate. Yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, the live one would obviously be certain people, and you know, you got a good point there. I mean, maybe it changes the intimacy of it, but yep. and and you know how open somebody would be. Mm. 
Um, you know, I think, and that's like the challenging part, the, the few challenging, there's just been a couple probably that were, where it's like to crack the egg yeah. has been a little bit more yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's not a natural thing. Like talking about yourself for some people, because it is like a hard thing to do. Like, so yeah, it's interesting. Especially for artists. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. But I think that's a very important thing to learn as an artist is to be able to talk about your art. And I still struggle with that all the time. And just like being able to speak and like dance with clients and, yeah. and things like that. That's like, uh, like some of the, when I was assisting some of the most successful guys, this guy, Gary Land, um, big like ad guy shoots like a ton of stuff for, like Nike and whatever. And he's an amazing photographer, but from working with them, his real skill was like this, like interacting, talk to his clients. He was this like, it was like, he was putting on like a show. Like it was this like a real skill like that people yeah. have. And I think, not to say you can't learn it, but like some people just have that like knack. Yeah, but, but Jeff, you, Jeff Lipsky is like that. Oh, really? He is so fun to hang out with, yeah, and yeah. like that's probably why he gets so many jobs. People want to be around him. Yeah, people want to be around him, and he does great work. So yeah, that guy, I love his stuff. I it's all like natural light, and this like this classic can't beat it. Yeah, um, good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I guess like a few more questions, I'll let you go. Um, I guess like what do you think the key is to like managing like the freelance life? Because as you know it's there's a lot of ups and downs like you never know where your next paycheck's coming from um is that something you you think you've gotten better at over time this kind of managing the swings of things or <laughs> <laughs> great question because yeah. right now is one of those down okay. swings and to you know it's so much about handling the anxiousness of you know am i going to be able to pay the freaking rent and you know, and managing that. But I think for me, I've always like tried to keep some sort of, you know, few months of runway. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes when that runway gets close to running out, you're like, like uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on the other side, it means like, okay, now I have to hustle. Yeah. And then, like I have to hustle harder and I have to really focus. And so like, that's also brought on a different perspective right now, especially, but I think there's a lot, you know, I think that's where a lot of the personal development stuff came in is like, you know, learning. And, and this is what I'm talking about, like interviewing all these people. It's like the mindset and like learning how to manage the uncertainty yep. of the artistic career, because like you don't know when the next paycheck is and, and you got to know and trust that you're going to be taken care of. You mm -hmm. know, the universe has your back. Yep. Um, but it's also that conversation, that mental conversation and that like falls into that fear. Right. Yeah. And so learning how to manage that, um, has been huge. Meditation has helped me a lot. Okay. Over the last few years, I started you do uh, that doing every day. Yeah, doing Vedic, which is a, ma a mantra-based meditation. So I do that twice a day, okay. and it like, helps calm the mind. And um, it actually is like this type of meditation is a good like stress release, yeah, uh, reliever. Um, and so that's it's definitely helps with the any sort of anxiety or anything that comes along with following the downs yeah yeah definitely man yeah because you can kind of this like it's good to kind of step away from it sometimes it's to kind of let your head breathe because you can just like bang your head up against the wall non-stop it's not going to change anything yeah. so it's kind of important how you said you were kind of talking about like uh mind body everything it's like one's not working one's lagging the other one's gonna yeah <laughs> well exercise too i mean i realized like how much staying fit and and staying in shape and eating healthier makes mm. me feel better yep and helps me get through any sort of ups and downs um because it's you know it's a tough game yeah definitely man and uh what do you think like when you're having like downtimes like what are the things you're kind of working on is it like you're working on new marketing stuff or shooting new stuff for your book everything everything and marketing you know right now we're doing a lot of marketing stuff we've been revamping the website working on marketing promotion stuff mm -hmm. um you know we're like kind of full on in marketing mode right now yeah um, something I've realized that I've neglected over the last probably couple of years, which is probably why I'm in a time right now where it's a bit slow. Yep. But, uh, you know, I think you have to constantly, especially with state, you have to like constantly be getting out there and, yeah. and, uh, getting in front of people now. Yeah. It is tough because like once you get busy and like you might have a few months where you're banging out a lot of jobs and shooting, but if you let the marketing, you have to like keep it going at the same time. It is a tough thing to like balance. Cause like you can kind of just get focused on the shooting, but you still yeah. have to be thinking about the future. It's like, a, it's a tough thing, man. hundred percent. Um, and one thing I was kind of curious, looking at your website, uh, you do motion work too. Um, is that like something you've been doing for a while? And like, do you kind of have a different approach to that work versus your still stuff? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I'm still having to, you know, trying to get into the whole motion thing, which is probably why I've only got a few projects on there. But yeah. uh, I think it's one thing, you know, for me, I, if I shoot a, yeah, 
if I shoot motion, I usually bring in the crew to do it and okay. either direct it or create a direct it. Okay. Um, and then we just, you know, it compiles and we, we put it under there. I haven't really been shooting my own okay. video per se, mm-hmm. uh, but I pull in the right team to do it. That's cool. And like, uh, with that stuff, uh, is it like, you feel like you're kind of going after the same like aesthetic as your still stuff, like the natural light and the, you kind of try to shoot it the same yeah, way. Yeah. And I think that's like, and I'm still exploring the world of video. Right. But yeah. like, I think that's, you know, the way to do it is to carry out a specific aesthetic across your different mediums. Yeah. You feel like it's like a necessity nowadays if you're working as a photographer to kind of have that in your bag of tricks too, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, it is really a necessity from, especially from what I'm hearing from everyone. Everyone's like, Oh, video, video video yeah it's like the, the motion 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 yeah with the agencies with like the bigger stuff it sounds like they want like the whole asset package where they can kind of just do like a motion shoot grab stills and get as much content as they want all in one bang instead of kind of doing two things i guess totally um but i guess uh it's kind of wrap up like being that you've been doing this for a while um what do you think is the kind of key to your success and what's kind of kept you going in this crazy business as we we said <laughs> I mean, the key is to love it, yeah. you know, to love it for the craft of it. And I, mean, I think there's a big, uh, you know, so you got to start with why, you know, start with why you loved it in the first place. Because if you really love it, you're going to go through the ups and downs to get through whatever, uh, to get to the top, mm-hmm. to get to, to that successful point. And I think a lot of times, you, especially with a career like in in the arts is there's a there's a whole side of internal validation versus external validation i think if you really love it for what it is you get that internal validation piece where you love it regardless of you know you would still do it if you're getting paid or not and i think that's the biggest key is is to know that you would you love it enough to do it without getting paid yeah just and be- then you just go and get paid for it <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> i hear you man and uh, i guess my last question this uh, going forward is there you got any goals for your photography or anything else you're working on you're hoping to pursue uh yeah i mean i want to do some books i want to do editorial photography oh, like, like uh photo books or like yeah, writing? photo books and written books oh, yeah. yeah there's a couple on the table okay um that are in the works nice but uh you know it's a slow process yeah i saw that looking at your instagram you a lot of times you like write a lot of stuff is like writing something that you enjoy doing and is it something you've done for a while uh, yeah it's kind of a little fun side project it's not like a full-time hustle by any stretch but it's a little fun side hustle yeah i like it i like nick nick's got like 26 hustles he's got the podcast he's got the photos <laughs> he's got the writing man he's gone man i like it <laughs> yeah it's about doing what you love all the time <laughs> i hear you man but i guess uh thanks so much for doing this nick i really appreciate it and uh for people listening where's the best place to check out your work uh you know nickonkin.com or uh that's access to you can get the podcast and photography and or the instagrams at nickonkin perfect and the podcast is on itunes and everywhere it's on itunes stitcher i think it's on spotify now as well oh nice so yeah definitely go check that out and i'll link it and everything but thanks so much nick thanks for having me on so there you have it that was the nick onkin interview I want to thank Nick so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting to speak with him about all his work and experience within photography and also speaking to him about his own podcast, which I definitely urge you guys to go check out. It's uh, Nyon Radio. Um, You can go to his website, nickonkin.com, and check out his work and his podcast is linked there. So definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, going forward, just wanted to let you know I'll be having weekly podcasts every monday on itunes soundcloud as well as on my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my instagram at alexgagnephoto thanks so much for listening and take care